I can think of as far as prayer request is concerned. But if you would, uh, turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, the 18th chapter. Ezekiel, the 18th chapter. Let's all stand as we honor God's Word by standing. Ezekiel, the 18th chapter. And I'm going to begin reading in the 4th verse. And I'm going to read through to the 20th verse. So bear with me as I read and and listen to the word, word of God. He says, Behold, Ezekiel 18, 4, says, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now that statement is in the Scriptures four or five times. But this is one time is here. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right and hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither hath uh, lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, because that's where, that's where the idol worship took place was on the mountains, neither hath defiled his neighbor's wife, neither have come near to the menstruous woman and hath not oppressed any, but have restored to the debtor his pledge, in other words, paid his bills, and have spoiled uh, none by violence, hath given his bread to the hungry, and have covered the naked with a garment. He hath He that hath not given forth Upon usury, neither have taken any increase that hath withdrawn his hand uh, from iniquity, hath executed true judgment between man and man, hath walked in my statutes, and have kept my judgments to deal truly. He is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord God. If he begat a son that is a robber, a, a shedder of blood, that doeth the, like the, to any one that of these things, and have, and that doeth not any of those duties, that is the ones previously mentioned, but even hath eaten upon the mountains, and defiled his neighbor's wife, hath oppressed the poor and needy, hath spoiled the violence, hath not restored the pledge, and hath lined up his eyes to the idols, or lifted up his eyes to the idols, hath committed abomination, hath given forth upon usury, and hath taken increase, he then live, he, he then live, he shall not live. He hath done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His, this blood shall be upon him. Now, remember this. If, if you do wrong, you've got to suffer for it. You did it. Nobody else. Now, lo, if he begat a son that seeth all his father's sins which he hath done, and considereth and doeth 
not such a like that hath not eaten up on the mount mountain, neither hath lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, hath not defiled the, the, his neighbor's wife, neither hath oppressed any, hath not withholding the pledge, neither hath spoiled by violence, but put, but hath given his bread to the hungry, and hath covered the naked with a garment, that, that, that hath taken off his hand from the poor, and hath not conceived, received usury, nor increase, hath executed my judgment, hath walked in my statues, he shall not die for the iniquity of his father, he shall surely live. And as for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, spoiled his brother by violence, did that which is not good among his people, he even, he shall die in his iniquities. You say, I'm sorry, yet you say, why doth not the son bear the iniquity of the father? When the son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all the statues, and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessings of it. Thank you for watching over taking care of us. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you, Lord, for the things you give to us. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us from a lot of things that we would want to get into. Lord, I, I pray that you'll keep us honest, keep us righteous, and keep us looking to you, to everything, and keep us worshiping you, praising your name, and keep us doing the things that we should do, that our children might learn from those things that our children might grow up to be the kind of children that would look to you and look to the things of the Lord rather than to look to the world, rather than go out into the world and start mingling with the world and doing the things the world does. It doesn't make any difference whether it's a father or a son. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The title of this message this morning is, Can a Man Live a Christian Life, Die and Go to Hell? Is that possible? Well, in this day and time, most people don't think that's possible. Most people think that if you lived a Christian life, and, and within what I just read to you there, this is about the fifth or sixth time I've read it today. And from what I just read to you there, uh, makes no difference how good the Father is. Makes no difference how good the Son is. You know, if He has taken to these things that He shouldn't have taken to, then the soul that sinneth it shall die. We've got to realize twice it says that in these passages. It says it in it says it in the fourth verse, and and it says it down there again in the twentieth verse. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
It, 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 there's, there's, there's just no in-between. There's no in-between. You know, when we know to do right and we don't do it, the soul that sinneth is going to die. And, uh, you know, I know that John, we're not going to get into that today, but John talks about a sin unto death. Let me tell you, folks, there's some sins you can commit that you can uh, pay retribution and and settle them. In other words, if you steal something from somebody, you can repay, you can give it, you can either give it back or repay a person for it and, and give them what the worth of it and ask forgiveness and they will forgive you, God will forgive you, and, and such and such. But then there there's some sins that he mentioned in here that are sins unto death. The soul that sinneth it shall die. You know, if, if a man takes another man's wife and commits adultery with her, that's a sin unto death. David committed a sin unto death. And even Nathaniel told David, said, David, said uh, he, he gave an example of a man taking another man's sheep. Man only had one, one lamb. And, 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 and this man had a whole field full. Instead of him using one of his lambs to feed his company, he goes over and gets the lamb from the poor man that has nothing and takes it and, and uses it to feed his company. And Nathaniel asked David, said, what shall happen to that man? David said, that man shall surely die. And, and Nathaniel pointed his finger at David and said, you're that man. You know, can I point my finger out here today and say, you're that man? Are you that woman? You know, but let me tell you folks, can you imagine, can you imagine the anxiety that came up on David when David, when Nathan said, you're that man? But, said God's not going to kill you. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to die for every sin you commit. Some some sins go with you until you do die. Those sins are may be forgiven by God, but they're not taken care of until you're at the judgment. You might say, well, I've been chastised for them. You still got to stand before God in judgment for those sins because those are sins unto death. Those are sins that people commit. And he said it makes no difference if it's a father or if it's a son. Says, uh, you know, said God's not going to punish a son necessarily for the sins of his father. But God's going to punish a son for his own sins just like he's going to punish a father for his own sins. You can't sit here and, and, and blame your sins on somebody else. And you certainly can't sweep them under the rug because they won't go away. Now, that proverbial rug was laid many years ago, and there's still people sweeping their sins under that proverbial rug. You can't do that. So can a man live a Christian life, die and go to hell? Sure he can. Absolutely he can. Let me answer 
this question very quickly in the affirmity. Yes, a man can live a Christian life, die and go to hell. A lot of, lot of people are buried today who the preacher has tried to preach them into heaven. They're not going to heaven. They're already where they're going to go when they're laying that casket in front of that preacher that's preaching their funeral. They've already preached their funeral. Was it, was it do any good for a preacher to get up there and try to make things better for the family when they've already preached their funeral? They preached their funeral while they were living. What did they do while they were living? They preached their own funeral. And probably the right thing for any preacher to do is to stand up there and, and make sure that people knows that that, that person that was once in that carcass that's in front of him preached their own funeral. He didn't preach their funeral. He's not preaching their funeral. They preached their own funeral. Now all he can do is warn those that are there. That every day they live, every day they live, they're preaching their own funeral. They're preaching their own funeral. Sure, it's, it's important. Now let me go on to say, most try and live a Christian life, but they die in their sins, and that without remedy. Where did I get that from? Well, Solomon, one of the Wisest man that ever lived, the preacher. He was the wise preacher. And the, one of the wisest men preachers that ever lived. He said, he that being often reproved, hardened his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. You know, you might, you might not want to listen to this message today, but just shut your ears up and don't listen to it. Well, that's exactly what Solomon's talking about. You're going to be warned. If you come to Landmark Baptist Church, you're going to be warned. I promise you that. That's always been the case. This Sunday, I am celebrating 35 years of pastoring some folks in this church. This Sunday. And you're going to hear the same thing you heard 35 years ago. You're going to hear it today. You are responsible for your own sins. Don't you try to take the sins of another upon you because it's not going to work. You might say, well, I've given to my daddy. That's not going to work. I'll let my daddy handle it. No, your daddy will sweep him under the rug. Not going to work. You know, my, my, my girls will tell you that every time they did something they shouldn't have done, they heard it from their daddy. They heard it to the point of where they would say, every time I get fired, you want to preach to me. I have learned a lot about life in my 52 years of working with people on a spiritual level. Have seen many come and stay 
Many come and go from the house of the Lord, have seen many instructed in the ways of the Lord, and have seen many who just ignored the instruction and went their, their merry way and died that way. I've seen it. I've seen it. There was a lady died some time back. She came to visit this church a few times. And she told me, I saw her at the Walmart store. And I told the Walmart store, and she told me to my face, she said, I don't like you. She said, I don't like what you preach. That's been a long time ago. Well, she died just here not too long ago. Of course, they didn't ask me to preach her funeral. But let, let me tell you, folks, you're responsible. The blood is up on your head when you decide in your mind that you're going to do something that you shouldn't do. The blood is up on your head. That's what Nathan was telling David. David, the blood is up on your head because you're that man. And what does the Bible say? The sword never left David's house. The sword stayed in David's house. David lost a son. He lost a daughter. He lost a son because his, one of his sons violated one of his daughters. He lost another son that came after, came after him. He saw his son with his hair caught in a, in a limb and hanging there and dying. He had to send, he had to send his trusted general out to chase that son down. And that general went out and chased that son down and that son's hair, he had long hair and it got caught in a limb and he hanged there. And his trusted general come back and said he died right there. Not to say the baby that David lost. The baby that Bathsheba had, the woman that he had committed to sin with, she had a baby boy and it, and it died. So don't tell me. Some people's got the sword in front of their house right now. And whatever happens, thus as going forward, whatever happens, it's because that sword is in front of that house. Not the devil. God put the sword there. The devil didn't do it. God put the sword there. That sword is in front of the house. That's what, it, what, that's what this is all about right here. This, this, this is what Ezekiel is talking about to Israel, talking about Israel, that when you commit a sin, you're responsible for that sin. If your son follows you and commits sin, he's responsible for that sin. He's sin he committed and further on down the line, they're responsible for the sins they commit. When we look at the context in which the statements is made, the soul that sinneth it shall die. 
between verse 4 and 20, we see why that is true. Look at verse 9. He's telling us why that is true. He says in verse 9, hath walked in my, hath walked in my statues and hath kept my judgments to deal truly. He is, to deal truly. He is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord God. That's the opposite. That's the opposite of a man who spends his life in sin. That man's going to live. That man's going to live. He speaks of all these things that a man can stay away from in his, in, in this life, that a son can choose not to do the sins of the father if he so desires. But if a man chooses to follow the ways of the world, and his son chooses to follow the ways of the world, after they know better, the soul that sinneth it shall die. It doesn't make any difference. What's your children? You say, well, my children are good children, boy. They're good children. But when they sin, they're responsible for that sin. You're not responsible for it as a father or mother. They're responsible for it. That is, if you taught them better, if you didn't teach them better, then yeah, that blood's going to be upon your head too. If I didn't teach them better up here in this pulpit, blood be upon my head too. I'm telling you, you know, it's okay to get out there and squirm around and carry on and go and do what some some of the young people's doing today. That's okay to do it, but let me tell you, your sin's going to be up on your own head. It's not going to be up on my head because I'm warning you today. I'm letting you know today. I'm giving you strict warning today. That sin's going to be up on your head. You can't blame it on Brother Paul. You can't go and blame it on Brother Paul. Brother Paul, if you'd have just told me, I'm telling you today that your sin is going to be up on your head. We hear that word of the Lord. We hear that the word of the Lord will never return void. That's the reason. It'll never return void. What goes out here today from this pulpit, what goes out here today will never return void. It'll do what it is set out to do, and it, it'll happen. If one has been preached to and preached to and refuses to listen and change his or her ways, that is very good evidence that person has never been saved. Person's never been saved. Now, I'm only going to say this one time today. If we are to understand that a man can live a Christian life, die and go to hell, we must see Cain's condition. Cain was a religious man. Genesis 4 and verse 16 is where you find it at. Cain had been taught a lot about religion. The same as his brother, Abel. Cain had been taught right along with his brother, Abel. When God demanded an offering of them, God told them, said, bring an offering in. What did Cain Bring in, Cain brought in something 
of the ground, the earth. You know, what What do you have to offer today? Let me ask you. You come in here this morning. What do you have to offer today? Is it only earthly things? I've done this good work. I did it. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, I did a lot of things I shouldn't. But I did do this this week. I did go to church today. But where were you last Sunday? Sunday before that. Sunday before that. Sunday before that. Where were you? You had a lot more fun out there in the world than you'll ever have in here. Cain was that such. Cain was a man of the world. Abel was a man of God. And Cain didn't like that. When God said, when God said for you to bring a, a sacrifice, Cain brought something of the world because that's what he was. He was a worldly man. When God tells you to bring a sacrifice to the house of God, well, I'm going to put some money in today. Well, I'm going to go to church. That should be enough. Preacher, that should be enough. What do you expect of me? Preacher, that should be enough. You expect me to be here every time the doors are open? Yes, I do. Expect you to be here every time the doors is open? I sure do. Am I expecting too much of you? No, I'm only expecting of you what God has set down in His Word. As old Dr. Roscoe Braun used to say, he used to say, he says, he says, I'm as hard as the Bible is and I'm as soft as the Bible is. He said, if the Bible's hard on something, I'm hard on it. He said, if the Bible's soft on something, I'm soft on it. Old Cain. Old Cain. He brought, oh, he, he brought his vegetables. He offered to God some of the prettiest Carrots and pickles and not pickles but cucumbers. Guy told me. Guy told me one time. He said, "I've grown the prettiest pickles you ever seen." Brought his cucumbers. Brought his onions. Oh yeah, you can bring a bag of onions. Bring a bag of onions to church. I'll take them. They provide any sweet onions. What did Abel do? Abel went out and killed a sacrifice that he'd been taught that's what he's to do when God asks of a sacrifice, that he has to give a living sacrifice, one that he, where he has shed blood, which is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someday when you stand before God someday, he's going to ask of you a blood sacrifice. Who are you going to give him? What are you going to give him? I killed a deer one time. I killed the prettiest deer you ever seen, God. No. God's going to expect a blood sacrifice of you, and it's going to be the blood of his son. That's what he's going to expect. Cain knew that. I mean, Abel knew that. And he brought a sacrifice of, of, of blood. 
You know, there are a lot of canes in religion today who are taught. Listen to me, what I'm about to say. You better listen to every word of this message. If you miss it, you're going to miss it today. Cain had been, or uh, there's a lot of Cains in religion today who have been taught to worship, but ignored the instruction, and they went out and they did it their way, and then they tried to find in the Bible some way to justify what they did. How many people, when I say something, somebody, they come back with me with a Bible verse, trying to justify what they've done. The Bible says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Jude, verse 11, first part of that verse in Jude 11. Cain is a type of the religious natural man who really does believe in God and has a desire to follow the things of God, but is reprobated from the faith. Let me warn you to beware of this very thing. What about Lot's wife? What about Lot's wife? You find that in Genesis uh, 19, verse 26, that she looked back and she turned a pillar of salt. What about Lot's wife? Had Lot been taught the truth? Sure she did. She sat under Abraham, one of the great teachers of his day, religious teachers. She sat under Abraham just like Lot did. And she was taught. Lot's wife had been taught a lot about religion by Abraham, her uncle by marriage, the same as her husband Lot. Yet when it came time for her to choose to go after the Lord or look back to the sinful things of Sodom, she chose to look back. She heard the same warning. She heard the warning when the warning came to Lot to get out. God's going to destroy the city and keep it running and don't look back. She got those same instructions, but she couldn't stand it. Oh, I left a lot back there in Sodom. Goodness gracious alive. I've got friends. I've got friends back there. I've got friends on Facebook and I'm back there that I left. I've got friends back there that I left. And she turns back and looks around and says, Oh, my goodness, they are burning to death. And all of a sudden, she turned a pillar of salt. God had warned them, Don't look back. And I'm warning you the same thing today. Lot's wife lived a Christian life, we would say today. She was married to a religious man. Though he'd gone wrong, but she was married to him. And she felt that Sodom owed her a lot. Just as men feel the world owes them a lot. And forsake godly instructions to get it. Look what Jesus said in Luke 17. Turn over with me if you would. In Luke 17... Jesus said in, in, in verse 28, 
Luke 17, he said, Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planned, they built. I would add a little more to that, but I won't do it. But this by, but down in the, down in the 32nd verse says, but remember Lot's wife. I'm telling you today, every one of you here today remember Lot's wife. Every time you decide that there's something more important out there to do than to be in God's house, remember Lot's wife. Just remember it. I, I like what Brother David Green said. I know some of you read it on Facebook. I know you did. Brother David Green says, why don't you try sometimes giving up those things out there and be in the house of the Lord rather than go do those things and stay out of the house of the Lord. I don't know exactly how he said it, but I believe some way like that. They try and justify their way by polluting the Bible and religion. That's all you're doing. When you try to justify your sins, you're just polluting the Bible and you're polluting religion. You might want to ridicule me. You might want, you might want to do something and, and, and try to show me that I'm wrong about something. That's fine. But just remember Lost Wife. She'd been taught. But she lost a lot in Sodom that she had gained in the world and she didn't want to lose it, didn't want to leave it. Well, what about Esau's condition? What about Esau's condition? Genesis 27 verse 8 tells, 38 tells us about that. Esau had been taught a lot about religion, the same as his brother, Jacob. They sat under the same father who was a godly man. They sat under the same father and they were taught the same things as far, as far as religion growing up. Esau had been taught a lot about religion, the same as his brother, yet when he was confronted with filling his belly or following the Lord, or between filling his belly and following the Lord, he chose to go after the things that would fill his belly. Or could be, better be said, he chose the pleasures of the world rather than the things of God. Did he regret it? Oh, yeah. He regretted it. He regretted what he did. Turn with me to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, if you would. I'll show you how much he regretted it. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews, the 12th chapter says, in verse 16, says, Let there be lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. You know, I think our people had some good steak last night. I think you folks that stayed there for that had some steak too, I heard. Well, we had steak too, only we had it at Outback. But he sold his birthright for a meal at Outback. Now, 
I'm just I'm just ad living now, folks. For for you know, now listen to this. Here's the key. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it with bitter tears. God would not even let him repent of his sin. I hope you're not like that. I hope you're not like that today. I hope that you confess your sins and you repent of them and you don't go out and do them again. Because that's what repentance says. Repentance says I'm going to forsake them. I'm not going to do them anymore. It don't do any good to sit there and say, God, forgive me for my sins. I repent of them and then go out and do the same thing again. That's just useless. That's just useless words. When old Esau woke up to what he'd done, he tried to repent of it. And God said, I'm not accepting that. You knew better. I'm not accepting that. And lastly, but certainly not least, what about Judas Iscariot? Matthew 27. Turn there with me if you would. Matthew 27. Let's see if I can. I got it marked here somewhere. Matthew 27. Yep. I think this is it. Yep. Yeah, Matthew 27, right here it is. Matthew 27, verse 3 through 5. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. This is the first time that Judas, he sat under the Lord for three years, over three years. He sat under the Lord, and this is the first time he realized he was doomed. He was a reprobate. When he woke up and realized he'd done what he'd done because he's reprobated from the faith, look what he did. He repented himself, and he tried to take the 30 pieces of silver back to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, well, what's that to us? We don't care. And he throws the 30 pieces of silver back at them, and they just leave it laying. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. When he woke up to what he'd done and hanged himself, Judas had been taught a lot about religion by the master of religion, Jesus himself, the same as the rest of the apostles. Yet when it came time to choose whether or not to follow the Lord and in his sufferings, he chose the finer things of this life which money can buy. Judas had been put in the position in the church as a money handler where his real heart could be revealed. 
Christ knew his real heart. His love for money showed in the following verses in in John 12 and verses 3 through 8. You might want to write that down. But what we're, what we're referring to here is Judas was the money keeper. He was the one who took care of the money. Just like Jim and Reggie do. Y'all better be careful about that boat fund. Jim and Reggie, they, a few years back, they wanted to buy a church boat. I'm just, I'm just cutting up with them. I know they wouldn't do nothing like that. Judas said the woman took the expensive ointment and she washed the feet of Jesus and cleaned the feet of Jesus with it. Judas just carried said, what have you done? You're wasting that money. He said, that money could be spent on the poor. That money could be given out here for the poor. And what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you, but I'm not always going to be with you. And I'm telling you right now today, Jesus is not always going to be with you. You better worship him while you can. Because the day may come when you can't worship him. You're not going to be able to. You're not going to want to. You're not going to be able to. Judas never did see that the money he cared for didn't belong to him, but was the Lord's money, and really thought that he might get it, give it to use for his own gain and not for that of the Lord. God help him. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. I heard a preacher quote it here sometime back, right here in this Bible conference a few years back. I heard a preacher say, money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of it is. The love of it is. Let's all stand if you would. You may have something on your heart today. Come let us know about it. We're going to sing a song.